Welcome to the Technostatic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is Randy. Hello. Today, we're going to talk about stuff. Um, things. Hopefully. Hopefully s- things. Things. We're, you know, we're not really used to talking about things. It's been a while. Um, well, we talk about things regularly. Out, but uh, Do we? Yeah, but the but the podcast, it's just been kind of like really like hard to get done. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's been hard to get the... We've just been really busy. So Me busy. Me more than you, but... You know, it, yeah, it's just like when life happens, you know, it's like, OK, well, you know, the podcast unfortunately takes a hit. But there's yeah. been so much tech stuff that I've been like dying to talk about. There's um, a lot we need to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And I know that I want to talk about the 4090s because like sure. the, we last time we did a podcast, it was like mid-October. And I, w- I listened to it because I wanted to know what the heck we talked about last. Right. And we were talking about like the 4090 launch. And, okay. and, and like, since then, like we've both got 4090s and I wasn't getting one, I think on that podcast. No, no, you weren't getting a po- I don't think I was so. out, dude. I was out. You, I remember specifically you were like, if I get the iPhone, I'm not getting the 4090. Correct. So what happened there? <laughs> I got both. Yeah, I don't know, man. Did. Like I, I told you, it was like that weird, yeah. That weird just like happenstance where like I just so happened to get the notification on my phone that it was in stock. Right. And, you know, after seeing the benchmarks and stuff, I was like, oh, well, maybe this boy is worth it after all. Right. And then I got I got the notification. Right. And then I was like, huh, I'm just going to add it to my cart. I'm, it's probably not going to go through, <laughs> you know, because like I've been following it a little bit. So, you know, on Reddit and on like the hot stock forums and stuff, they've been saying that right. Best Buy has this thing, right, where like. Once you finally get through, like the the let's 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 call it the first boss of the dungeon to buy a forty ninety, <laughs> right? Which is um, actually the card being in stock and pressing add to cart and that part functioning. Then you get placed into this virtual queue, and then this is the second raid boss in which you have to get through, right? Uh, and then it seems like most people wipe on the third boss. <laughs> um, the third boss is. Uh, they have to verify that you're a human and not a bot by sending you a text message. Um, so uh, usually people would like enter the last four digits of their phone number on file, and then they would have to wait for like an MFA token to come to their phone via SMS. Right. Uh, and then they would have to put that code in to verify that they're not, you know, a, a bot. Right, uh, right. Well, apparently uh, a lot of people wiped on the third boss because they would enter their phone number and then it would be on Best Buy's end to send out the verification token. Right. But I guess because so many people were doing it, like by the time the token actually came through, the cards were already gone. So most people wiped on the third boss. However, okay. uh, so I was on boss two, you know, I was waiting in line and like it was taking lo- like, like, like a real long time for it to go through. I'm like, it's not going to happen, you know, but, you know, at, at least I tried, you know, so I could say like, like, yeah, I could say I made an attempt. You know, there was an attempt. <laughs> uh, so I got to the I I downed boss two and I got to boss three. Right. And I, I entered the last four of my phone number. And as soon as I pressed like submit to submit my phone number, I immediately got a text message like I one shot <laughs> boss three hundred percent, just hundred to zero dead. Oh, my boss God. three. That's and wild. then I entered the code. And the and, and then boss four, which is the page reloading with the card in your cart, was also instant. Uh, wow. And then I just pressed checkout with Apple Pay on my iPad, and it went through. That's I was amazing. like, oh, that was actually kind of easy. 
Nice. Uh, so so yeah. Can, so somehow um, you were somehow so you were on the iPad then. I was. Nice. I was. Yeah. I didn't know there was like Apple Pay for like Best Buy. There like, is Apple Pay for for Best Buy. That's pretty sick. Uh, which, uh, based off of what I've read, um, people who use Apple Pay have an advantage. Oh my so gosh! Keep that in mind if you're looking to get one. Uh, I can only verify by the fact that Apple Pay went through instantly for me. But right. people online have said that um, if you use like your Best Buy card or something, it's not nearly as fast because it uses Best Buy's processing or something like that. And like, it's just, it's yeah. just not as fast. They're jank processing. So yeah. 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 So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So I, I, I guess I got pretty lucky. And not you know? only that, I, and I'm personally jealous because you got a Founders Edition card. I did get a Founders Edition, dude. Yeah. That is wild. And, and you know, any other generation, I wouldn't be really jealous because, you know, the other cards, typically um, partner cards are better than the Right, you, typically. Like, typically. Be- yeah, exactly. Like, historically. Typically, you would assume that. One one could extrapolate that that would be the case. Yeah, but this generation's like a whole other story, and it, it kind of explains why EVGA dipped. Is. You know, like, uh, do you want to talk about that for a little bit in case people don't know, like, what exactly went down there? Um, you can go ahead sure, and just summarize sure. it. Yeah, so I guess the too long didn't read, and like, a lot of this is speculation, but like, there's enough anecdotal evidence to kind of confirm the you know, uh, hypothesis, if you will. Uh, so essentially, what's going on is Nvidia kind of kept their cards close to their chest when they were dealing with. Uh, what level of silicon they would be sending third-party manufacturers, and also what like board parameters for AIB partners, like basically the specifications for the boards that they make, right? Because like for those of you who don't know, like uh, Asus, EVGA, Gigabyte, Zotac, you know, all of these companies, uh, PNY, I'm probably missing some, but anyway, all of these companies just build the AIB, which stands for Add-in Board. And that's essentially, you know, the VRM, the memory modules, uh, the power delivery systems, you know, like the actual cabling that they use, uh, what ports they have, the BIOS for the card, all of these things, you know, the cooler, all of these things are designed by your AIB. And then NVIDIA sells them to silicon, and then they solder the the actual GPU die onto the board. Uh, Well, NVIDIA... you know, kept it very close to their chest about, you know, like silicon grade and silicon quality and things of that nature, because I think it's my understanding. And like, you can quote me if I'm wrong on this, but the closer you are to the center of the die, the better theoretical chance you have of getting uh, like a really good piece of silicon. Um, at least that's my understanding. So like NVIDIA was kind of keeping uh, those centered die cuts for themselves and not allowing third parties to have access to those, or maybe have access to a limited number of those. So you would have companies like EVGA and ASUS, who would make their top their top of the line cards. Like in EVGA's case, it's the Kingpin, and they would not give them access to quote unquote the best bin silicon pieces for their highest end cards. And also, they were being very uh, like last minute on like what type of board delivery power specs uh, Ada Lovelace would have. So between those two things, and I think NVIDIA also increased like the cost per per wafer as well. So they were taking a larger cut of the profit. So those three things, uh, EVGA decided to pull out essentially. Uh, so, and in turn, now NVIDIA is 
seemingly so keeping the best silicon quote unquote for their cards which coincidentally are also the cheapest of the cards and uh they're kind of like almost uh I guess I, I I guess you could say in a way like cutting out the competition or cutting out the AIB partners, which is a strange thing because they sell the same product. So they are customers of NVIDIA. But the, the big rumor mill now is that NVIDIA wants to just go direct to consumer and not use AIB partners. And just like if you wanted to buy an NVIDIA card, you would buy it directly from NVIDIA and there wouldn't be like an Asus version or a Galax version or a Gigabyte version. Now, now that part's just a rumor and that could be still, you know, two, three, four, five years away, but all of the decisions they're making are pointing in that direction. Yeah, so it's not no surprise, I guess you'd see like a, an insider like EVGA dip, just because if that's the case, like they already see the business drying up, they might sure. as well get out. And like, here's the thing, even if they do still have business, uh, NVIDIA is unfairly, you could say, uh, giving themselves an advantage because right, not only right. are they selling like better cards for the same price as these partner cards, oftentimes cheaper. Yeah, but they yeah exactly cheaper and and they get the best bins. Right. So it's like kind of unfair, really. Like yeah, one of the uh... things that um, I wanted to comment on is uh, when we were doing benchmarks. Sure. Uh, so one of the things Randy and I did, we had a little competition. You know, he actually bought me the what is it, the latest three uh, D Mark. Uh, bench i forget what it's called speedway uh, speedway yes we speedway. were doing a little bit of a speedway uh score chase right where we're just kind of uh you know running the numbers and stuff and that's when i discovered that uh my card was limited to 450 watts you know mm. and so uh what i found out was that all partner cards uh the bioses can be swapped interchangeably between them and I was like, well, that's weird, right? Because what that would tell me is NVIDIA told the partners to build it in such a way where that's possible, right? Right, that's um, correct. And, and that would really indicate that, like, okay, even if EVGA wanted to, they were told well, something, right, uh, about, like, what these cards could could do, and they built it to spec. Sure. But, like, NVIDIA, you know, they were like, oh, well, we can do whatever we want, and they... What your card runs at what like six hundred watts? Like that's weird. yeah. Actually, uh, when I started up Star Citizen yesterday, uh, <laughs> which game is still a nightmare to run, guys. Yeah. So, so so it's like on max graphics with a pretty no heavily RT. overclocked forty ninety, yeah. no ray tracing, DirectX eleven, even it's still a DirectX <laughs> eleven game. I got thirty four FPS. Now, granted, it was a very smooth thirty four FPS, right? Like. I, I know that sounds weird, but, like, my 1% lows were still above 30, right? Like, yeah. it felt very smooth. Right? Consistent it felt like a very, for what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there was no input latency. It just felt like 34 FPS, but a very good 34 FPS. Right. But uh, when I was, I basically stepped out of my room and out of the lobby of where, like, my apartment is uh, to just, like, open up, like, you know, just to see what the world looked like. And this is on full max settings in Star Citizen. Uh, my RTX forty ninety Founders Edition was pulling six hundred and eight watts. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean that was a yeah. lot of juice. That's a lot yeah. of power. And and and, and we, it really reflected in the benchmarks too. When we were doing, uh, your scores are crazy. Like you were getting like legendary achievements for hardware, um, whereas I can only get like what was it? Great, I think was my best. Yeah, <laughs> you get an excellent or no? I no, don't remember. No, oh, I didn't man. get just great. So, so what's what's wild about that to put that into more perspective? Even yeah. is 
Uh, Eric and I have had some pretty crazy builds in the past. You know, I've had three water-cooled Titan Xs with unlocked BIOS on them. Basically, no power limit on those cards. Right. Uh, I've had dual water-blocked 2080 Ti's. You've had water-blocked cards with custom BIOS. Oh, yeah. And you and I have never gotten the legendary achievement before in 3D Mark. No, never. Um, and I got it with an air-cooled Founders Edition. <laughs> so that should yeah. tell you just, like, how cherry picked the founders edition cards are yeah you know what i mean like yeah and i I was just like unable to compete with them really uh my partner card i have an msi card and it was the cheaper one so they they limited to 450 watts i was able to get 500 watts by uh flashing the um the asus uh strix bios BIOS on it so my computer thinks it's a strix card 500 watts and i got a lot more performance that way but i still can't like hope to achieve the numbers that randy was getting with the 600 watt founders edition card there's just no way so i was kind of like dang like like i had no idea this was going to be the case like i feel gypped i would have bought a founders card you know yeah the um, other thing i saw was too was um uh and, and like take this with a grain of salt because it's literally just what i saw on a youtube video i think it was gamers nexus it might have been someone else but i'm pretty sure it was gamers nexus uh because he went to uh he went to evga's graphics factory recently i don't know if you've seen that yeah video. oh i love that yeah yeah right and uh they were also i'm not sure if it was that video or a different one but uh you know how, like tsmc is like the goat yeah or um well for like, a lot really like they silicon and stuff yeah well w- w- when it comes to G- uh, gddr6x micron is the goat yeah and apparently apparently uh nvidia like backed up the pipeline for gdr for gddr 6x from micron uh for their cards so then the aib partners couldn't make or 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 meet cards that also had micron memory on them so it was like so it was like like a double kick in the face you know what i mean yeah i was fortunate enough to where my card has micron memory like that's good yeah 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 um so like i can clock my memory higher but like yeah you're right like i feel bad for partners because they they get like the shit into the stick basically yeah Uh, for real for real (laughs) so it's like like from now on i know personally knowing this i'm never gonna buy a non-founders card there's just no reason to buy a a, a non-founders card even if you buy the water-cooled ones they're gimped even if you water cool a non-founders card they're gimped compared to nvidia's cards um, and I don't know if it'll be like that every generation, but if I was a partner, I'd be really mad at NVIDIA right now. I think it's just going to sway more the other way. Yeah. The, the other way, meaning where I think for the 5000 series, I think the NVIDIA cards are, are going to become even more favored. Yeah. And that's what I would do. Like I would buy the NVIDIA cards. So l- let me ask you a question. Right. I know that when we were trying to get you a 4090, like before I was even in the market for one. You yeah. Know, uh, I was trying to get one, and you were trying to get one. And we I were had, going and for I, the Strix card, right? We were going for the Strix card, but yeah. I, I, I had asked you. I said, "Do you want me to just try for the Strix or anything?" And you said, "Anything." Yeah. And now, knowing what you know, I would have waited. If you had to get one again, are you now in the camp of Founders Edition or Bust, or would you still take any forty ninety? No. Yeah, I would do Founders Edition or Bust because, like, yeah. it, dollar for dollar. Like I, I was going to be paying like forty ninety money. I might as well pay for the best card, and, and it's the cheapest card. It's the cheapest. It's literally the best, like yeah. significantly. 
getting 100 more watts than the competition, plus the cooler's actually really good. It's sexy. Like, it's I the most it Apple-like freaking yeah. graphics card you can get when it comes to presentation, build quality. Like, it looks beautiful in general. Like, every other card is, like, plastic gamer case status. You know what I'm well, talking about? What else is cool? I do. I do. Yeah. And it's weird because, like... Uh, do you remember back in the day when like you would buy like an 8800 GTX or like an R9 290X and like right. the big thing was like those like gamer babes that were like all over the box like I those know. AI cheap generated babes right. I mean, like part of me kind of misses those days right right but like I uh, I really appreciate the aesthetic of um of yeah. the uh, of the Founders Edition 4090 and there's an added benefit to it as well. I mean like the cooler is designed for 600 for, for 600 watts. So if you leave your power limit at 100% cuz the slider goes to 33%, right? So I think yeah. it's like what 450 normally cuz 33% would put it at 600. Yeah, sounds about right. When you have a cooler designed to cool 600 watts and you're only dissipating at max 450 watts, uh it's super quiet. Like Oh yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, it's the quietest thing in my case. That's what's you know, wild. Is it, it unless is, I'm like, playing Star Citizen at 133 percent power limit, then it I can hear it, but it's still not right. like obnoxious, right? the The other good thing that I will say is I have literally zero coil wine, which yeah. is like the first card I've ever had that had no coil wine. Like like the 3090 Strix I had is pretty quiet, but if I got like next to it or like I didn't have anything else going on in my room, I could hear it a little bit. Yeah. This has zero coil line. Nothing. That's great because like Absolutely one of nothing. the things about AMD cards right now, like they have serious coil line. Like the new, oh, did you like, hear those, uh, dude? They're yeah. insane. What What is the new card? Like the 7900, like XT, the 7900 X XT and the 7900 XTX. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk Gamers about those Nexus, in a minute because like, I definitely want to talk about them. Yeah, because when I, I just the coil line on those, I was just like, God, ugh. It's rough, man. That sucks. It's rugged for sure. Yeah. yeah, I hate like a loud computer if I can help it. Like I just, um, you know, because my 4090, I don't think I've really mentioned it on the pat podcast, but my HDMI failed on it. Oh, yeah, so, that's right. We should uh, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, so basically I had a, um, you know, I bought a longer HDMI cable. My computer's in a server uh, rack, basically. And it's kind of far away from my monitor, or my TV, rather. And I need HDMI 2.1. So I had a short cable before mm -hmm. because I really need, like, a good cable. And to get one at, like, a certain length, I, I, I remember I was talking to you, and, like, the standard wants you to have a pretty short cable. Right. Like by standard. But I was like, yes. no, I need a longer one. So I bought like three different longer ones. And I was like, one of these has to work. Other people were saying they could get 4K, 120 to work and stuff. And I was like, okay, good. So I, I bought a longer one, plugged it in, and then nothing was coming out. I was like, what's going on? Like I plugged it into a 4090. I couldn't get a display. I put the old cable in, couldn't get any HDMI out. I tried a bunch of different displays. I tried it in two different machines. Um, and, and it just didn't work. So I just sure. send it to MSI and they like, long story short, I got my card back, but it really sucked. Like they kind of like, uh, yeah, how was their process, bro? Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. So, you know, I emailed them or I went to their support website to put a ticket in. They emailed me and gave me the RMA stuff, you know, after I explained what happened and then I shipped it to them and I didn't hear anything for like, uh, almost two weeks. And I was like, what's going on? I know they sure. received it cause I did tracking. And, you know, I called them up because they left me a su support number. And I was like, hey, uh, where's my card? What's going on? They're like, oh, well, we haven't received it yet. And I'm like, yes, you have. Like, I have tracking right. that you did. They're like, we'll get back to you. And 
you know, I, I went back and forth with them a couple other times. Like I called back. I was like, where's my card? Like they're like, they, they were like, oh, we got to put a ticket in with another department to find it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I hate that dude. Like when custom, when, 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 when like companies mess up, like yeah. by sending you a defective product and then they make it a hassle for you to fix their mistake. It's you know really I mean? annoying, like, just, man. Yeah, it like, is. No, if it really you recall, is. like I, I remember back when uh, EVGA had a problem where their cards were catching fire. Mm-hmm. And they have an awesome advanced RMA program. Like they will send you a new card, two day like shipping, right? Do they put a hold on your card? Do you do you remember? Um, yeah, they do. They do. But they'll they'll send you a new card, and then you send your old card back when you receive the new card. That's what Apple does. Card. Yeah, and that's amazing, right? Because I was yeah, back it's at it, like yeah, you know, right yeah. away, and I was yeah, like, "This for- is great," you know. Just for context, when Kelly's iPad broke, yeah, uh, she literally called up and they overnighted her one. That's amazing. Uh, at Apple's cost, I mean, they put a hold on her card. Yeah, uh, um, but that's fine. At, and we called at like I don't know, I, I want to say like nine o'clock at night, right. and she literally had it the next day from nine o'clock at night. So like nine o'clock at night, nine p.m. problem was reported. You right. know, fifteen sixteen hours later, her new iPad was in her hands. That's you know awesome. what I mean. Yeah, Yeah. that's really, really really good. So that's the amazing customer service that I wanted. But like MSI just doesn't offer that, you know, so I was like, ah, this sucks, man. I miss EVGA already, you know, like even though I talk about going to the founders cars, I wonder what uh, NVIDIA would do, right? Like they probably even don't even have that, that amazing support. Well, that's a tough question to answer, but I can give a little bit of insight to that. So uh, essentially what's going on with that is... Because they partner with Best Buy, I believe you have to go through Best Buy. Okay, yeah, good so, point. So Best Buy has pretty good return policies and they stuff. They do, but they do. Do they do exchanges or? I, I don't know how it works with those graphics cards, but I do know that yeah. you kind of have to work through Best Buy with it. Which, it, by the, the hard way, part is like the cars are just not available half the time. So sure, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if they would like be able to give you that like instant swap ordeal just because the avail- availability is so bad. My guess would be that. And NVIDIA probably has to have, like, a pile of cards, right? Like, they have to. You know what I mean? That so would like, be what you would think. Like, they like have just a for bunch RMA just purposes? For yeah. yeah. Yeah, they would have to. Yeah. That so would be I the would, way to do it. Yeah. So I would assume that, like, Best Buy would send it back to NVIDIA, and then they would request one to the store. I, I, I mean, this is all conjecture here. I'm just taking a guess. You know what I mean? And then Best Buy would send one to the store for you, and then you have to go pick it up. That, that, that would be my, my guess. Yeah. Yeah, best I mean, guess. I mean, it is what it is. Um, but you know, I do. I will say that eventually MSI did send me the forty ninety back, and it works, and it's good, and I'm happy. Now, I'm happy. was it your same card? Did they repair it? Like, I didn't did check you? actually. No? Um, I probably should have looked at the serial and stuff. Yeah, just I was to curious. Kind of I was validate. curious. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious too. I've I did this. I did this thing where I had RMA a motherboard before, and I made a little mark on it. Just to hmm. see if I would get the same board back, and I did. Did you? Yeah, you did. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. That was ASUS, and I was like, "Oh, sweet!" That's when I was on like the, uh, like the, the Extreme Edition board. I forget what it was. Uh, it was called, but yeah. Um, but yeah. Speaking of times. their their new Z seven ninety Apex boards, look insane. Uh, what what board do I have? It's not an Apex board, is it? It's no. uh, no, it's a I nice mean, board. I mean, to be fair, they're also no stranger to inflation. So, like, their Apex board is, like, the new 790 Apex board is, like, $900. Oh, 
Oh my god. Ugh. But it's this like, board better be designed for like the most hardcore overclocking. Well, it's like the only board on the planet that can do DDR5 8400. So okay, <laughs> which is kind of wild. Yeah, you think about it. That is wild. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about 4090 for a little bit. Sure. Uh, and then we'll move on to like about, 4080s and other before stuff. Before we get into too deep in the woods, like performance and stuff, yeah. Uh, I do want to mention that NVIDIA, uh, for the Founders Edition at least, the packaging is like the coolest box I've, I've ever witnessed. Yeah. It's like the coolest packaging ever. So, like, <laughs> you just feel like you're getting a good product, you know? So. That's the presentation yeah. quality. Like you're you're getting the cheaper card, the better card, the better presentation. You're yeah, getting so everything like, better. Like you feel special getting this card. It's like it's like getting an Apple product. You're like yeah, yeah. You know? to, to to that point, they're pretty much winning on all fronts. They have the cheapest card, the best presentation, and the yeah. fastest card. Yeah, it looked like you were getting like a real professional product. It does. It does. I mean, you're spending. You know how much big money? Yeah, you're spending big money. Uh, so, like, it's, no lo- it's lowest price was it fifteen ninety nine? Because I, I think yeah. I paid sixteen ninety five with tax. Tax, yeah. So realistically, it's like yeah, you expect that level of presentation at that yeah. price, but other you just don't get that with anyone else. No, you really you don't. Just don't. You really don't. Um, it's it's like it's designed and it looks like it's for a professional rather than like a gamer. You know what I mean? The other neat thing is because like that, our any of our viewers have seen a forty ninety before. Uh, it's a full triple slot card, but the entire like titanium frame goes through the whole card. So there is no like need for a GPU bracket or any sort of sag at all. Like it feels like you can probably pick up your computer by your graphics card. Like, that's, that's, that's insane. That's how it feels. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool, man. Like it's the, it's a really nice card. I gotta say like just the build quality. I remember cause I've had uh founders cards before. Uh, I think that day. like starting with what the 1080, the 1080 was a really nice card too, and then well, the 20, the, the, my, the 2080 was a nice. I have card. like I have a 780 that has like a nice metal, like oh yeah, like their old blower style. Yeah, like the that's when they started to make like the nice metal uh, blowers and stuff, like real nice solid. I keep those around just because I like them. <laughs> yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I I remember the 1080, the the, the 1080 pretty specifically because like. The 1080 was a giant jump over the 980, first off. But secondly, it had, like, that polygonal design, and that design looks so yeah. cool to me. Oh, yeah, dude. I, that was a good design. I, I think that generationally they've improved oh, um, yeah, for their sure. design, for sure. and they're really in a good spot right now. I really like the way that their new cards look. But let's let's move on from the aesthetics, though, real quick. So uh, That's, that's I, like half our name, dude. I think we're pretty happy with, uh, <laughs> with the performance of the 4090s. Yes. Overall, um, yes. Yeah, so I know that we're happy with our purchase, even though it's expensive, but you feel like you get what you pay for in this case. Like I it, do. Like I do. we have the use case to use these cards because we, we're at 4K, 120, HDR, 10-bit, like, panels. Like, we, we need... I don't say need, but like we we really have like the Requ- use case. require the best you can give yeah. us. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like it's it's like we have the the hardware to take advantage right. of the power right. of the 4090. Like I was thinking it, I was thinking like, why would you have like a 1440p monitor or equivalent and have like a 4090? I don't, I just don't. Unless you're at 4K, I don't know why you'd want it. 
Or maybe I don't think RT. that it's just a 1440p card unless you play like Portal RTX and like that's like your only yeah. game. Yeah. It's like honestly, like there's, well, I don't want to say that because like there's some like, isn't there some like 1440p 240 hertz monitors? Like if you really want that. Okay. If you want like the crazy high refresh, I guess. But you know, to me, there's just diminishing returns after like 144 hertz. There is. Like, you uh, know, I've seen like really great high refresh monitors and they are smoother but like diminishing returns you know so i mean i guess if you're like really hardcore like into competitive shooters like then maybe you would be one to take advantage of it but i just don't know who you are like i don't know those people personally i don't either um so like most gamers are going to be happy with like 144 hertz or 120 hertz or whatever right in fact, shit, if you're a console gamer, you're happy with 60, so... True, true, yeah. Um, yeah, so I want to talk about the 4080, dude. I think it sucks. I think it sucks, too, man. It sucks, dude. Like, everyone's saying it's the classic upsell, like, you know, and I, I totally get where they're coming from, because it's just too expensive. Um, like, performance is okay, but the price, it just feels like you're not getting a lot for your money. Um, well, like... The whole argument was made that, like, it's the same size die, yet for some reason they're increasing the price by, like, what, like, 40, 50% or something goofy Yeah, like it's that. pretty gross. Like, the last 80 series card was, like, much cheaper. Right? 799 so, wasn't it? Exactly. So, it was just, like, this is gross. Like, you feel gross. Nobody's buying them, I guess. And I don't blame them, right? Right. I mean, that's why we were hoping for AMD to, like, make the 7900 XT and XTX, like, be a value card. But then they came out, and it was like, okay, I'm underwhelmed. I mean, that that whole card has a ton of problems, and, like, we can get into it in a, in a little bit. But I think our DNA 3 and as, as a whole is completely flawed. Is it just the chiplet design? It's like, a, it's uh, a bunch opinion, of things. Or? I think it's a bunch of things. I think that the chiplet design is... The, the main driving factor behind it. The chiplet design could have been good. It could have been good. It could have been good because, like, in theory, on paper, right, like, this is what they were advertising. Hey, we can make cheaper cards because we're using older nodes on right. some of it. And then we right. can use, like, the newest nodes on just, you know, the the most important be- uh, pieces of the card, right? Yeah. Um, and and that, that sounds amazing. Like, you're, you've sold me already. Like, that sounds sure. really good. Yeah. But in practice, when your cards aren't cheaper, what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's I, weird to me. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. where they really flopped. Now, I know R&D and stuff for these cards, you know, obviously that's a part of the equation, right? Like, But, like, not, not like, to where they should be uh, – they should still have a value uh, compared to, like, traditional, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to NVIDIA. So I, I'm un, unsure, like, what they were thinking with their prices. And also, um, like, how do you feel about the cards in general and RDNA 3 and stuff? So, uh, If we're grouping, like, the 4080 in there, I feel like the only card you should probably buy from this generation is a 4090. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and that's just, like, across the whole. Like, I'm not saying, like, you had to spend $1,500 on a graphics card. I'm saying that, like, if you're looking for, like, the best value way to spend your dollar you're better off buying a 3090 ti or a 6950 xt yeah i think that i was telling my buddy this because he asked me he's like hey you know if i bought a graphics card today would i get a 4000 series 
And, you know, he doesn't have, like, a 4K monitor or anything. And I said, honestly, no. Like, you wouldn't get on topic, any card. Uh, on topic, really quickly, I'm kind of miffed that our 4090s uh, only had DisplayPort 1.4. That is a shame. Although That's, I will say that, like... Um, it would have been nice to have that for future proofing, right? Like, that's well, like coming. people who aren't us, right? Like people yeah. who who probably spend a four, who, who buy a forty nine, they're like, I'm gonna have this card for five years. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean, yeah, you really so kind like of, that, uh, kneecap yourself by not that having. kind of fucks them over, especially because uh, the the seventy nine hundred XT and XTX have it. How come this happens every time? It's like when we got the new MacBooks and they had like HDMI two point and it's like, come on, dude, put HDMI I think it's because I think it's because well, the MacBook I'm not really sure of. That's it. That's just wild to me. Yeah. Uh, I think Nvidia's issue is they know people will buy it. Like they know that we'll buy it again. I mean, are there any it. consumer devices that have the new DP standard uh, for DisplayPort? Um, I don't know of any. You know, I don't know. Because, like, what if it's just not... Because, like, if you think about the development cycle for this, maybe the standard came out late in the the development cycle, and they were like, okay, well, we can't do it this generation. It's just too late. Um, That might be, like, okay, it's officially out, but, like, implementation might take longer. Now, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know if any displays that have it Apparently in February. Okay. Samsung is coming out with a 165 hertz 8K monitor. <laughs> no fucking way. Why? I don't no know. Way. But apparently no in February they're coming out with it. That sounds insane. That's not going to be a monitor. That's it's going to be a monitor. No it's, part, it's part of their Neo line. Yes. That's going to be insane. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will say this, like, I guess for production or uh, productivity reasons, maybe... Um, maybe if you're like a high end like video editor and you need like like uh, pixel perfect like 4K see, windows. See, maybe. we say that we say that, but like people always say that thing, right? So like, let me put this in into perspective for you. Yeah. Let me pull something up really quickly. Uh, let me see here. I'm just. I know that personally, um, 8K. I have no reason to think about AK like ever. We, we say that. I mean, we if it that. comes out and it's like at that point, it's like, okay, you might as well. But we're it's going to be like 10 years before we're at that point. So if not longer. You say <laughs> that. You say that. Yeah. But I just wanted to put this in, in, into perspective. So for those of you who don't know, Eric and I still both use the CX48, which is a 48-inch 4K TV. 120 hertz OLED TV, right? Yeah. Well, our PPI is only 92. It's small. It is. So if you put that into perspective, let's say that some of our viewers have a 27-inch 1440p monitor, which is kind of like standard, that's 110 PPI. Right. So saying there's no use case for 8K when you start to get into larger monitor sizes, I feel like there will probably be a, a, a noticeable difference. So if one you of the game things... A, if you game at, 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 a, at a larger... Monitor size. Here's the question with PPI though is distance that's away pixels from per, the screen. Yeah, well, that's the that's a uh, factor that isn't really calculated within the spec, right? Like you got pixels per inch, sure, but like, like how far away are you going to be from the display? You know that has that PPI, right? Uh, well, till I'm it's about, like at Apple's Retina standard. 
I'm about 30 inches from my TV right now. Yeah. And I could tell you I've seen crisper text before. When I'm in a oh, game, yeah. I don't really notice it. But if I'm like browsing a website or something, I've right. seen I've seen crisper text before. You know what I mean? So like I could definitely see it in text. Yeah. So you know, I I agree. I think that there is room for improvement, right? Um I think that if people are buying these, like I think our display specifically, the 48 inch size, 4K, it's a little bit like there is improvement. I think that you could have mm-hmm. if you have a 27 inch one, you're fine. Like I remember, um, in my opinion, because Amanda's, or you know, I guess she's using my old display, which is the uh, ASUS like PG27UQ, right? And, yeah, and that 32. was like, uh, was it 32? Yeah. Okay. Wait, no, PG twenty seven, no. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's the a new 4K one is thirty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's twenty seven inches, and I, like I remember when I because I use it at native res, but it was like too small. Like things were too yeah. small, but like you know, blow it up to forty eight inches, and now it's like okay, this is a lot more reasonable. But um, I'll be honest with you, I wish I could like like go negative <laughs> scaling on my monitor. I'm serious. Yeah, I w- I wish I could do like seventy five percent. Yeah, make things smaller. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would be nice just to be able to move things. I so I guess in this screen size, yeah, you could have like a six K, eight K justification. I think. I think it also. I think DisplayPort two point one will also benefit ultra wide monitors because, like, right now they're kind of stuck in that thirty four forty yeah. by fourteen forty one sixty five hertz range. Are they all DisplayPort? Uh, one point four. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, I think that, like, uh, you know, in in that aspect, I would like to see, like, at, at least have like. 4k parity in an ultra wide i was thinking and that still for have a like a time, higher refresh right? rate you know what i mean um yeah because like uh, most ultra wides you're dropping on the 1440p resolution so yeah i know when i was um because like here's what happened right let me just rewind time sure at the uh asus uh sorry no uh acer x34 ultra wide which was uh what was that like um what's the resolution on that like 3840 by like it, it's it's no 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 that's 4k no no uh, no it's um it's uh, oh i just said it i just said it i literally just said it it's not like okay it shit. is 30, uh 3440 by 1440 oh that's what it is okay so that was what the resolution was on the x34 um, and that's literally 2560 by 1440 with just more with more. x-axis exactly right it um, doesn't increase your PPI. It's just adding in pixels on the site because it's it's a, it's, a, it's a wider monitor. And right? I remember so. at the time, I knew I was like, okay, this is like the pinnacle. I'm not going to upgrade to anything until we're at 4K, but ultra wide, right? So it is. It's like um, whatever that resolution is going to be. Like uh, for we have that already, right? We have that um, already. Do we? Yeah. It's um, like that 5160 by 21. Uh, what's it? We have a 4K okay. ultra wide like that. I didn't know. Yeah. That. Yeah, oh, it's okay, fifty. Cool. It's fifty-one twenty by twenty-one sixty. Uh, LG makes one. Samsung okay. makes one. I didn't know. I didn't know. But but they have gimped refresh rate because it's 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 more than thirty-eight forty by twenty-one sixty. It's fifty-one twenty by twenty-one sixty. So they're mostly sixty hertz. Uh, yeah. So I guess if you're a productivity so, person, like okay, so like, but not a gamer monitor. Like you can't do fifty one twenty by twenty one sixty at one twenty hertz on display point one one point four. So makes sense, yeah. So like that that would be a good use case for right. for, for display point yeah. two point one because yeah. like I would buy a four K ultra wide. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. I think at this point, though, I'm really in love with what we have with the size. Like, I think that I might go to, like, a 42 or something, but, like, um, I don't know, man. I, I was thinking like that, but, like... I've been playing a lot of single player games. Like I've been playing through Cyberpunk again, and like, yeah, I don't know for a game like that if I would want something smaller. You know what I mean? Because right. like it's just a, so it's too. just a a really immersive experience. I yeah. mean, there's part of me that really wants that new Samsung QD OLED, uh, like really bad. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But like, here's the thing: like these OLEDs are still top tier displays, like to this day. Um, right. I find like, that I, I tried to buy the C2 and it was literally the same spec. Like I, I couldn't justify it. The peak brightness was the same. The right. refresh rate was the same. Right. Everything was the exact same. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think the only display that had actually considered like changing my display out, uh, was, uh, for that Samsung Odyssey arc. But then I was like, no, the arc is actually kind of, I almost bought the product. arc too. And let me tell you something. I would yeah. have bought the arc. But it doesn't support P by P like the bigger ultra wide does, and that's awful. Yeah, yeah I know. Like P by P would be huge for that monitor. If it did P by P, I would have bought it. What's P by P? It's uh, picture by picture, where yeah. like you could essentially have like dual screen monitors, but on the same panel. Yeah. So they adver- uh, See that that's where it's kind of like tricky, right? Because they advertise you can do it, but it's asterisk. It's actually just with their little apps. Right. right. It's so not you can have P one P. display, yeah. like say on the bottom or something, and then you could have one of their apps on top, which would be like whatever their smart TV apps are, like a YouTube right. app or whatever. Now that might be good enough for you, but for me, it's absolutely not because like a deal the tr- breaker for me. Like I want to be honest because the reason is because I do not use smart TV smart features because I no, don't either. accept their privacy policies and their data collection. Like they're really gross of what they can collect from your display. And I'm like, really kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know that doesn't, I'm not comfortable with that. Sure, with you see sure. what's on my display. I'm just not comfortable because there's been reports of like companies like being able to take like a screenshot of what's on your screen and yeah, it's that. insane. It's wild. Like, I'm not interested yeah. in showing you that, uh, at, at, at any point, am I willing to give up that information? So, right. Um, to me, it's too creepy. The creepiness factor is too big. I don't use native smart TV features. I just don't even allow those things. So, so to me, it just gimps the, uh, Samsung display immediately, um, because I'd never use those smart apps. Um, so yeah, that would, that was the one thing, like if they, if they could do multi, uh, like picture in picture, like you were saying, um, so here's two, the interesting different, part with like, that. Yeah. Uh, the 49 inch. Like the big Neo QLED mini LED 49 inch, like the super wide boy. Yeah. That does that. Okay. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's that super wide one, right? Right. Right. Which I actually bought and then canceled. I think you talked me out of it. Remember? Yeah. 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 That's the one like use case where I could see like, okay, that makes sense to have that monitor. Right. Because, um, to be able to span like two, like for in your case, you could have like your Windows gaming PC plus your MacBook. Like that's cool, right? Right. Um, or just have a, or just have a dual monitor PC with yeah. no bezel between the two panels. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, but then here's what ultimately led me not to do it. One, I like OLED. I I I, I just it's don't so good. I just don't not like this monitor. But yeah. two, um. 
that monitor was still expensive. Like it was on sale for like I think it was thirteen ninety nine, which is like yeah. the lowest it's ever been. Actually, not that bad of a price for it. But when you do picture by picture, you lose mini LED, and your refresh rate drops from two forty to one twenty. So it just becomes okay. a standard backlight monitor because it can't do local yeah. dimming if it's two monitors and, and that kind of makes you sense you probably wouldn't get like adaptive refresh and stuff either no right? like no would, you, would... no no you you lose adaptive refresh <sighs> yeah. you lose hdr you lose mini led and your no. refresh rate's cut in half no that's not so worth like, it, honestly so, so it's like i'm not paying 1400 dollars for two normal sdr monitors you yeah. know what i mean because, say... because like that would be the only use case i would use it in i would never play one game well i i don't want to say never like i'd probably play like cyberpunk and stuff like that yeah. but i wouldn't play like dwarf fortress or anything no, like that no. you know what i mean yeah so. i totally get it i think it's just gonna be like multi-monitor like the picture in picture stuff is cool but like it's just not it's just not gonna be for us like just because it's come with too many compromises right like right. so and there's really just no displays that can take the crown from these uh oleds if you ask me mm. no i agree um, i agree like, I've been like really picky about monitors and like super picky. And obviously I'm always on the hunt for something new. And so whenever you come out and you're like, dude, look at this display, I'm going to buy it. I'm like, hold up, dude. Like, are you sure? Because like, I've been looking at monitors constantly yeah, <laughs> and dude. I haven't seen anything that's been like, there's a couple look at that out there. itch. You know what I mean? Get that itch for yeah. something new. No, I totally get it. Especially, you know, you got a new graphics card. You want to like maybe change it up, you know, yeah. if yeah. there's something better, but there just isn't. There isn't something definitively better yet um, across the board, right? There's a couple things that are cool. QD OLED, okay. You know, that's kind of cool. I like it. Um, but it's just not there yet, so. I, I don't know about you, dude, either, but we've had our CX48s for two years now. Is that wild? I don't have, yeah, and I checked for burn-in. I, I was going to say, I don't have any burn-in either. I mean, I mean, like, that's like a double achievement because... I was like, I mean, oh, you're always gonna get burning. Everyone you know? like and Linus like, complained like about yeah. burning, but like I don't know. And, uh, What's he leave like white windows up all the yeah. time? I don't know. Yeah, does he like go to sleep with like Excel open? Like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. understand. Yeah, it's wild maybe. to me. I mean, he maybe he's writing scripts and stuff, you know. But like yeah, honestly, but like, I would just I've like had, use. I've the... had a lot of static imagery on mine, but like I, yeah. I don't know. Same here. Like, uh, well, I mean, we do a little bit to mitigate, but like not a lot. Like, I don't think about it anymore, honestly. I, like, I don't even use, like, a black wallpaper. I don't auto-hide no. my taskbar anymore. I don't do any of that, dude. I still auto-hide the taskbar, but, like, I, I kind of don't want to because it's annoying. I don't. I don't. Um, <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, like, here's the... Yeah, I don't have any burn-in, which is fantastic. Like, I'm sure if I, like, really pixel peep, maybe I'd see it, but, like, I looked really I tried closely. to look the other day, and I didn't see anything. Like, yeah. when... when when uh, you had me download that HDR tool, when it goes to, like that like gray percentage of white, I was like, yeah. oh, I'll definitely see it here. And then it was nothing. It was yeah. a cl clean, clean panel. And, and just to be like, uh, just to kind of emphasize to the podcast how great that is. Like we've bought like the service remote to turn off all the like energy saver bullshits. Yeah. Like yeah, we so have like, this cranked, you know. Yeah. So, like, this is basically, like, worst-case scenario, if you ask me, like, other than maybe having, I think like, so too. the news on 24-7, like, that yeah. might be or worse. Or sports, yeah. Sports news, like, where you have, like, the stuff on screen constantly. Like, the only thing I have on is that pixel shift thing where it, like, moves the pixels. I like, have that on, too. 10 over every now and again. Yeah. Like, I do that. But other than that, like, that's the only smart yep. feature I have. And, like, I've seen people on Reddit mitigate that by, like setting a custom resolution that's like 10 pixels smaller in each dimension. <laughs> I, I, I don't even notice it, dude. It doesn't even bother me. It doesn't bother me. It like clips on the 
the ends a little bit. Like I'm looking at the OBS logo and it's like half cut off. Like the little tiny icon in the corner. Yeah. I'm like, whatever. Like I yeah. know it's there. I don't yeah. like I'm cool. Like whatever. <laughs> That's not actual content, you know. Right. Um but anyway, I guess we got on a monitor rant a little bit. I'm, I'm we did. Always... We did. So so <laughs> let's uh let's bring it back to the Radeon cards. Sure. Um What do you yeah, gotta so... say about them, man? I'm just really confused by them because they they use more power and yeah. perform worse. Well, we knew that they like if you use I guess it makes sense, right? Like a little bit. If you use an older um node, node. yeah. You're going to use more power. Yeah. Right? So like it just kind of makes sense. Now, one of the things that you mentioned is that the way they're doing power is a little weird. It is really weird. And like people are still trying that? to figure it out. Yeah, sure. So like people are still trying to figure it out. So like we don't have all of like the, the cookies in the cookie jar yet. Uh, but essentially it has to do with, we believe, um, infinity fabric and how infinity fabric has to like maintain certain ratios with memory clock and things of that nature. But essentially, um, if you overclock your seven, your 7900 XT, which you, which you should, because it it overclocks very well, and there's a lot of gains to be had there, you know, to the tune of kind of five uh, percent better performance rasterization than a forty eighty. However, it's like almost two generations behind in ray tracing, mm. uh, but still, you know, getting five uh, percent over a, a forty eighty when stock, it's like fifteen percent behind a forty eighty is pretty good for overclocking. But um, the issue is, is that how the Radeon software works is it doesn't give you enough information or control over what your card is actually doing. And a really good way to explain that is, um, so like on Radeon's overclocking software, which happens through like the Radeon control center, like through their tool, uh, there's like auto OC in rage mode. Uh, but if you use auto OC or rage mode, you can no longer set fan profiles. Like that's wild to me. That's weird. Like, like, why would they lock you out of adjusting a fan curve? I don't you know, know. Like, like, like it's super weird. Like, and and then like, you have like uh, AMG, uh, AMD, uh, like like a, I guess you can call them like apologists who will be like, well, that's because the card's running so fast and pulling so much power in rage mode that they don't want people to turn the fans off and ruin their card. It's like no, that's like dumb. there's. Like, like there's thermal limits and like TJ Maxx limits for a reason. Like that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. Like, it like would just clock down yeah. if it got too hot. Like, like right. there's not a problem. You yeah. Know, let me do what I want. And in fact, other people might want to like ramp their fans up more. Right. You know, right. like, so let us, they, they may say, well, my computer is in another room, so I'm just going to Max turn my fans up. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly right. Like, let yeah. us do whatever we want. Like, yeah. why be anti consumer and just lock things up? Like, that's, yep. I don't like it. It's bizarre to me. Yeah. So, even so, still, like, so keep going about the decoupling and stuff. Right. Like, so, so the issue we have, and, it's, and the term that people are kind of throwing around is called bandwidth stretching. And what bandwidth stretching essentially means is these cards have a very strict power limit that they hit very easily. And that power limit uh, is pretty high. Okay. Uh, but the issue is the card's power draw is very high and it doesn't give you enough information to tell you when what you're requesting of the card is affecting other sectors of the card. So let's say, for example, that just, just to give you, uh, our listeners a quick rundown, 
of how overclocking a Radeon card works is you don't necessarily set your offset uh, from your core boost bend boost clock like you would on a GeForce card, okay? So you basically set a target megahertz value. So let's say you wanted to set a target megahertz value of 3000 megahertz. You would literally dial in 3000 megahertz. You're not applying or you're not applying an offset to a boost bend value. You're setting a target megahertz value, okay? Right. Does that kind of make sense? It does. So so, so let's say, you know, and the problem with this is if you're just setting a target, the card is going to do whatever it can to try to reach that target within the realm of what it's capable of doing. And what that means is you can set 3000 megahertz target, you can set 3800 megahertz target, um, but it won't really crash, if that kind of makes sense. It'll just allocate power to try to make, to, to, to try to get as close to possible um, to the target that you've set. So right. let's say that like you're overclocking your card, you're overclocking your card and you, you know, you're like, Oh, 2900 megahertz works great. Let's try 2950. So then you run another benchmark. 2950 works fine. Works amazing. You know, works great. Uh, you've gained two or three FPS in Port Royal and you're like, Oh, this is good. Let's try 3000 megahertz. Let's see what happens. Well, uh, <laughs> you see your card is passing at 3000 megahertz. It shows your clock being stable at 3000 megahertz, but what it's not telling you is it drops your VRAM clocks to like uh, half, like down to like 1950 or 1200 megahertz instead of being at their full speed. So you're running it at 3000 megahertz. It's validating. It's passing at 3000 megahertz. It says it maintained 3000 megahertz, but your FPS and score is now like 30. And yeah. you're like, what's going on here? Yeah, and wild. And no one's really sure exactly what's going on. Uh, if you expand uh, GPU-Z, it'll show you like certain memory controllers that aren't, I think it's called like memory memory cycles or something. So if you exhibit this behavior in GPU-Z, uh, a good 7900 uh, XTX will have between like 29 and 32 memory cycles. But when you start to quote unquote bandwidth stretch, your your your, your memory cycles will drop into like the low teens. And that's what to look out for. And that's the only way of knowing if you're asking too much of your core clock or alternatively asking too much of your memory clock because if you ask too much of your memory clock, it'll do the same thing to your core clock. Yeah. And we don't know what's causing that. We don't know if it's how AMD designed their drivers to prevent crashes at all costs and make their drivers seem quote unquote more stable. Because if you remember, AMD drivers have like notoriously had the, the, the uh, like connotation or like the namesake of being kind of shitty in comparison to <laughs> NVIDIA drivers. So I don't know if this is their compensation for that. Being like, oh, our drivers never crash. You know what I mean? Yeah, or if right. this is like an actual like software oversight, or if this is something to do with Infinity Fabric, which is kind of what the leading cause is here, is because right. if you ask too much of the CPU, or, or in this case, the GPU, like the actual GPU die, not the GPU card itself, like the, the actual die, processing correct. unit. Uh, then maybe the memory controller that like the, the it's starved the, for power maybe the, which is you know it, I, I mean let's call it spade a spade infinity fabric is basically l3 cache right so then you're asking too much of l3 cache uh and then that doesn't have enough power or bandwidth because it's not it's no longer in sync you know quote unquote in sync with the memory frequencies and that's causing the memory bandwidth to half like there's a lot of unknowns going on here but at the end of the day you know you you're one takeaway is you have to 
if you end up get, getting an AMD card, it's not a bad card at all. Like, don't feel like you've purchased a, 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 a shit product. It's a, it's a good card. You know, you just have to be mindful to work around its quirks and nuances if you're trying to get the performance out of it that you want to. And I know there are some people that are like, oh, well, I just buy my card and put it in my computer. And that's fine. You know, you can do that. You can, you can certainly and you'd be just, fine if you did. And you'd be card. fine if you did. Right, right. It's you'd when have you no issues. It's overclock and you're like, why is it being weird? But the issue um, is, you know, like, especially with these 4000 series and the 7900 XT cards, it seems like they've left so much extra performance on the table that costs you no money. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's no more cost to investment to get in, uh, to get additional performance out of your card. So, right, it's yeah. something I would recommend doing, but just be mindful of that. And That's why overclocking is like so important this generation. Like, really, uh, uh, just because you can get so much more and for free, for free, basically. Uh, I mean, maybe for heat and noise, but whatever, for free, basically. Right, and um. But like it's it's really weird that you have to this quirk I haven't seen come up any time before to where you're you kind of starve your memory of maybe power if you give the die like a significant amount of it like that's kind of a to me that's a design potential design oversight but it could be a no it definitely is drivers but I don't and think to, so Not to add really. to your to your hypothesis of it being a design oversight the seventy nine hundred XT uh a good majority of the cards, if not all of the cards, perform better with an undervolt. And that's because if you undervolt the card, it requires less wattage. Right. You power the card at that specific clock and memory frequencies. So you're freeing up precious wattage on the card to boost yep. higher because you're, you're you're requesting less overall voltage. So, I mean, that card I mean, runs like at, a, I believe, like 1.1 volt. But like if you right. run the card at like 1060 or 1070, you'll see a sizable increase. Right. In your performance because That's it's, funny. it's stretching your available wattage pool. Yeah. It's it's a little bit different, but like it's kind of like that with uh, CPU overclocking, at least on it the is, Intel yep. side. Mm -hmm. But it's not really about um, giving you power headroom as much as it is thermal headroom. Sure. Because like, uh, like if you can um, undervolt as much as possible and still have stable clocks, you need to do it. Because like I know specifically like with the 13900K or whatever – um like holy crap does it hit tdp instantly um uh if you're doing like a uh multi-core at least if you're doing a single core it's not so bad but um well that card has a, that, that that processor and the 12900k has a few issues with that too uh yeah, yeah. like the ihs is very uneven from factory things like that you know yeah, what i mean so like yeah, yeah. so like uh for our listeners who, who who may or may not know and this is true for graphics cards too um you may see something when you run benchmarks or in like a hardware monitor or something, something called TJ max, that's thermal junction max. Yeah. And then certain things say like, we'll say hotspot junction and hotspot are the same thing. So junction is basically the hottest part of the card and hotspot obviously is the hottest part of the card. And that's where your throttling and dialing back comes from. Not, not, not your package temp from your TJ max temp, right. which is your junction temperature, which is the hottest point of the card. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I don't know. I I still think it's a blast overclock. Um, but yeah, it's really weird that there's these gotchas. Like it seems like every generation there's a little bit of of, of <laughs> how it works is a little bit different, which is fine. But uh, more to learn, I guess. But I do like uh, at least overclocking the four thousand series GPUs from Nvidia are okay. But the 
Yeah, I wouldn't want to be an AMD card owner and dealing with that overclocking mess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whatever. It's also <laughs> worth noting that their 7900 XT, which is their big Navi, their big RDNA yeah. 3 die, uh, is essentially two generations behind NVIDIA. Um, how so, though? So Because, uh, I guess, because, well, well, okay, like, two generations in what way? Because uh, process so, node-wise, right, like, their smallest node, well, isn't it the same, or? It's well, just they're, they're Well, they're technically a generation behind in performance. In performance, absolutely. And they're also a generation behind in efficiency. Well, so, yeah. So, so that's where it if comes you, from, yeah. If, if you add those two things up, because, like, if they max efficiency but are still behind their performance, then they're only lacking in performance per watt. Right. You know, but now they are drawing more power and giving you less performance. Yeah, so to me it's a big <laughs> loss. Right? Yeah. A huge loss. Um, they, could, they could, I guess, um, even the odds by giving you a good value, but they don't really do that. So it's like, right. why buy into AMD right now? I know personally, I just like, I really want AMD to be a competitor, not just because too, we want NVIDIA to get fucked. Like <laughs> I'm tired of NVIDIA's BS and I kind of want to see you say what that they got coming. You say that, me. but also both companies um, are, yeah, are doing the same things are, 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 are doing the same thing because yeah. they, they, they really, yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Like, I think that, um, you know, Looking at it from a Linux perspective, like I want AMD to do better because they're better support on Linux. Mm -hmm. They have open source drivers that are like good and stuff. Like that's cool, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I just want to see better competition. It's going to be better in the space overall, but yeah, I'll still buy Nvidia because they're the best cards and they're also the only ones doing RT reasonably. Like AMD, even like the seventy nine hundred XTX is like not even an RT card, and like. Like, can you imagine playing like Portal RTX on one of those? Like, you just wouldn't do it. So, right. Um, right. And and even though FSR 2.0 and stuff is like decent, it doesn't hold a candle to DLSS and stuff. So, so really, um, the technologies like Nvidia has, the performance Nvidia has, even if you got to pay for it, uh, and and that's really where we're gonna stay. But I think we ought to move on to another topic, dude. Sure. We've been talking GPUs for like an hour. Let's talk <laughs> I know, about. Man. Let's talk about something else, dude. Well, you got Dwarf Fortress. You want love to talk Dwarf about that? Fortress. The, I love that game. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's like we got like these 4090s, and we're sitting here playing like Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> dude, shut up. <laughs> so Dwarf Fortress, man, what do you think about it? Because like I've been playing the old ASCII art version. I haven't. Uh, and I, yeah, yeah. So have you like looked at it before? Like I have. I, I, well, not pri- prior to this, no. Like you didn't, you were like, no. That that looks dumb. It, like, what was your? Have you heard about it before, though? I've heard about it only through you. Like, okay. well, like, like when you started to get me in a rim job. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Dwarf Fortress. Like, that's like the only knowledge I've had of it, right? Got it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so okay, you went in as a brand new player and you love it. That's actually kind of a big deal. I do love it. I do love it. That's a huge deal because it it's a game that has like a steep learning curve, and I I wasn't sure if like you would kind of give it the time to kind of go over that like hill, that hump. But like, what do you feel about it, man? Okay. So here's the deal. Okay. (laughs) And like, this is an interesting deal, I think. Okay. This is like the deal of all trade deals. Um, Okay. 
So I like it. Uh, because it's dwarven themed. Does that kind of make sense? So it's the setting. Yeah, honestly. Uh, I I mean, I like space too. Don't get me wrong. I like space too. Yeah. Uh, I just like dwarves better. I'm a sucker uh, for the like medieval fantasy, like kind of Lord of the Rings. Same. Like that's why whenever you get like a Skyrim versus Fallout debate, like I'm always gonna side with like Elder Scrolls, just because I prefer the. Oh, setting. I do too. But I I still like Fallout. You know what I mean? Like yeah, so like, I do. That's kind of like I little little bit of a tangent here. I also feel that way about Warhammer. Like I love 40k. Like don't get me wrong. Like 40k is awesome. Yeah, right? it is. But like I I. If, if I had fantasy, to pick, though. yeah. If I had to pick something, well, fantasy's dead. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that, but it's Age of Sigmar now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and like that, that's just because Games Workshop is a bunch of scummy people. But that's right. a tale for another day. Anyway, back to Dwarf Fortress. Uh, I just felt felt like I connected with it more. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I totally get it. I I I like Dwarf Fortress more than RimWorld. I just couldn't enjoy it as easily as RimWorld until now, right? Now it's mm. like, dang, like this is actually a playable game. Like I want to invest a lot of hours into learning like all about it. I just learned how to make soap today. <laughs> my my dwarves didn't have any soap. And I was like, I Why need to is make that? it. Well, it's a whole process. So you have to burn wood to make ash and then you have to uh, take the ash and make like some kind of lye with like fat and ash combined or something and then you use that lye or whatever to make soap i don't know it was like a weird there's like a whole process i have to play more of it because like i'm still very new to this and like i'm probably more of a slow learner than you are (laughs) with these games uh and i think that's largely because i'm relatively new the colony right. simulators like outside of you know the little bit of rim job we played this right. is my first colony simulator you know so like i'm still you're still starting learning. with the best you're starting i'm still learning best. a lot uh, like 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 a whole bunch of things and like i'm really into like the lore aspect of it like yeah and and that actually helps me out because like i read like my little dwarf profiles and i learn what they want and what they like and stuff yeah um i'm trying to do that too i love to like dive into the combat logs too and see what happened. Like I had one guy where he like, like he literally grabbed, he bit a goblin by the foot and then started <laughs> wagging him around, like slinging him around. And, and so I named him like, like, like foot eater or some shit. Like I, <laughs> like I forget it was some shit like that, but it was pretty funny. Foot eater. Yeah. No, that, I, that's super cool. Like, yeah, I, I changed his name. Like I, I have my, uh, all my dwarves, whenever they go into combat, whenever they do something cool, I'll change the name of the, like, not the name of the dwarf, but his job title or whatever. Like, you can put custom ones in. Really? Yeah, so, like, I had a dragon that came in, and the guy that killed the dragon, I named him, like, Dragon Slayer, you know. So, like, it's cool because, like, now in my little alerts, it'll say, like, Dragon Slayers in combat or, like, Foot Eaters in combat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, what eater, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I had a funny name for him, but uh, yeah, it's it's just fun. Like I, I really love the love. I love the level of simulation with Dwarf Fortress. It's just so it's, fun. It blows my mind. Yeah, the things that are happening, like it's just it's just cool. 
I had a dwarf commit suicide by jumping off a high ledge. <laughs> what? That was pretty dark. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I, yeah, he just kind of jumped. Uh, dwarves get depressed and unhappy <laughs> and they will do Wait, that. Without beer? Uh, yeah. Well, even just more than that, like they're hap- happy if they have, uh, you know, alcohol to drink. Obviously that, that is sure. the biggest thing, but there's other things in their lives they have needs for. And if you're not meeting those needs, they'll, um, they'll get into, they'll get depressed and unhappy. And that's just one of the outcomes that can happen with depressed dwarves. So it's a little dark, but, uh, that's what happens. So the simulation is that deep, you know, that's, you have, that's mind blowing yeah. to me. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. I had, um, I don't know what happened the other day, but I had a dwarf like catch on fire and I don't know if he like set himself on fire out of depression <laughs> or what? if like, yes, all of a sudden, like one of my dwarves is on fire in the middle of my fort. And I'm like, what? Like, there's no reason you're on fire. But so I don't know what happened. And I looked at him and I'm like, how did you burst into flames? I don't know. Um, yeah. So it was wild. Dwarf Fortress, pretty good game. I what think else? it's more. I think yeah. it's more than a pretty good game. I kind of want you to like explain it a little bit better because, like, you're like the the colonization oh. king. For those of you who may be listening and don't really know what this game is, you know. So. Yeah. So I guess I can kind of give you the overview. So in summary, it's a colony sim game. You embark. Uh, you basically generate a world from scratch. You say like, I want 150 years of world generated. And it generates um, a very complex and intricate world with, like, civilizations, monsters, creatures, um, you know, weather, everything. And then once the simulation is done, you get to pick an embark location where you want to start a dwarf fortress. And then you pick a spot, and then you can start building your colony. You dig into the earth, and you build bedrooms for your dwarves. You build a tavern. You build dining halls. Eventually, your dwarves will want temples where they can worship their various deities. Uh, you know, you'll even have guild halls for, like, the mining guild and, like, whatever. You'll build, like, all these different rooms. Eventually, you'll have a... Um, you'll, you'll build, like, a... Uh, not an army, but, like, a squad. Squads of dwarves for any kind of uh, enemies that may come in. Because you're going to get invaded maybe by goblins or monsters... And you're gonna need a uh, you're gonna need a little bit of a squad uh, that can handle that, with lots of uh, well armed, equipped dwarves with axes, maces, and whatnot. You're gonna have them trained during the day so they can get like really uh, ready for combat. Um, you're gonna make like little barracks for them and stuff. It's a lot of fun, and ultimately you're just gonna build a big and big uh, growing, ever growing colony. Uh, and typically it's up to two hundred dwarves you'll have. Uh, in your colony, sometimes you'll get human visitors that want to join, maybe elves, uh, you know, various mythological creatures. And uh, yeah, that's basically the the point of the game is to grow as big as you can until your colony is uh, destroyed. Uh, you know, a lot of times people dig too deep and uh, whatever's deep in the ground will wipe them out. Maybe they'll get, get invaded by a a goblin force and get wiped out, but that's part of the fun. In fact, that's part of the fun. That's the tagline is uh, losing is fun. And so, yeah, it's really a complex game uh, where you'll, you know, build lots of workshops and your dwarves will be making goods and they'll trade those goods with locals. It's basically a simulation as you can get when it comes to, it really is. It really is. I feel like every time I log in, I'm 
I'm definitely learning something new. You know what I mean? Like, I'm definitely like, like, oh man, is that how that works? Yeah. And that's the nice thing about Dwarf Fortress is like, you can, um, it's, it's more accessible now than ever. And there's no really wrong way to play it. You know what I mean? As Mm -hmm. long as you're having fun, you can play it any way you like. I mean, there's no like real objective. That's one thing that might throw a lot of people off is, you know, a lot of some some of my friends need like guidance, right? Like a sandbox game, like a Dwarf Fortress, a Colony Sim. Like you might not you make your own goals most of the time, you know. So like, um, and, and some players might not like that, but I know I love that. I kind of decide, oh, I want to make a mega project, and then I'll I'll do something cool. Like in my fort, I was like, I want to make a waterfall inside my fort. So I literally dug a trench, connected it to the local yeah. river. And I let it let water flow into my fort, and I made like a in fort waterfall. And I did that because like dwarves that. like waterfalls, you know. Dwarves <laughs> like waterfalls. They do. They they whenever they see the waterfalls, they're like, "I was near a waterfall. I was happy," you know. Like, mm-hmm. um, so it just makes them happier, right? So like any kind of, and I just made another me- mega project, not really mega, but it's basically I I, I have a underground like lake. And I, I, I dug a uh, hole that that leads to that lake, and I put a bridge over it. And okay. so, like, anybody I don't like, I'll just put them on the bridge, and then <laughs> I'll release the bridge, and then it'll drop them in. <laughs> Why would you not like someone? Um, well, like, say I capture someone in a cage or something, mm. you know? And I want to I give them a terminal punishment. I might just drop them in the lake. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Uh, but... Uh, Really, cool I did it because that, I, right? yeah, I have like um, way too many hamsters or not hamsters, guinea pigs, okay. and I needed a way to get rid of them. So uh, it's going to be the pit. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Man. There's no reason to butcher them because uh, they don't give you anything uh, when you butcher something that small. So I was like, okay, well, I might as well just drop them in a pit. <laughs> so in the pit that's dude. my that's my current project. But uh, yeah, it's a fun game, man. I I love Dwarf Fortress. It's great. It's great. Yeah, it I and it's gonna be even better when they add like adventure mode and stuff, uh, which is a whole different way to play. I I, I like Fortress mode. To be honest with you, I, I feel like there's still things that like I I don't understand. Yeah. Like it like in, in in my one game on my Steam Deck, I have to build a temple, and I'm not sure how to do that because like I got like an alert like they wanted a temple to like worship certain gods and stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm dealing with that too. Like my people are complaining about temples, guild halls, and then you're like, "Yeah, I'll do it," and then like you might forget about it, and then they get upset. Well, I'm just <laughs> not sure how to do it, right? And that's like part of the fun to me is like, all right, so like I, yeah. I kind of have like some idea how to make a temple. Like I had to start off with like a was like a town hall or something like that, but like yeah, I don't know yeah. how to convert it to a temple, and that's like part of the fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There is a little bit of a learning curve with this game, and some people might find it frustrating. Other people will find it fun, and I'm in the camp where it's fun because I'm not really too punished if I don't right. know what I'm doing. Right. Um, uh, but, but but then like as you as you play the game more, you're like, oh, well, that's how you do that. And then yeah. when you when when you encounter fun, you know, when something happens, yes, then you start your next game with the knowledge you've learned from the last game. And it kind of gives you a stepping stone to. Yeah. And that's where I'm at progress. right now. Like, yeah, I kind of yeah. want my fort to be destroyed because like I've I've kind of made a lot of messy mistakes and it's it's a successful fort, but like I would do it differently sure. the next time if that makes any sense. So it would be nice to just see it like get wrecked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
man. Now, now I can kind of, I, I, I kind of understand that. I, I mean, like, I don't know if you're like me, but, um, like I told you, I literally have different games on like my Steam Deck and stuff like that. So I have different fortresses going on all the time. Yeah. Because, yeah. uh, and, and in case anyone is wondering, because like I was a little miffed about it too until Eric explained to me why there's no cloud saves. So if you <laughs> yeah. want to go on Well, that. okay. Yeah. Well, the game, the saves are huge in this game. I mean, when I say it generates like a world. I'm not joking. Like the world is big. Like the the amount of stuff that it's generating and it's keeping the history of the world too as a part of your save. So like all the stuff that happened previously has is logged. And like I remember they were talking about like the book system in the game mm-hmm. and like history being written, like all the books that have been like written are all saved as well and it just like adds up. Saves get big. So you really can't do cloud saves in this game. Like a lot of people are asking for it, and like I don't expect it to come just because sure. I don't know how big the saves are, but right, they're, they they could be they're, massive. They're yeah. probably in the gigs, like giga giga save, dude. They're giga saves. So and and so it's probably not ideal <laughs> to do a cloud save. Like I, I I you could set it up yourself, you know, with like a like for me I would use Next Cloud. And I would just sync folders, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. So I could do it, but, like, yeah, I don't care. Well, like I guess, so like, part of the fun it. is having different fortresses, you know what I mean? So, like, it's neat to do it that yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. So what else do we want to talk about? I want to I wanted to talk about more. All right. Uh, more. We can talk about Apple's privacy. Sure. So I know you were pretty hype about one of their I am, new features. Dude. I think I think everyone should be pretty hype about that feature, you know? Like encryption is a great thing and when you can control the keys to the to your own kingdom and someone gives you the keys to your own kingdom, it feels liberating. Yeah, uh, so from what I understand, it's for iCloud, right? Yeah, it's for iCloud. So essentially everything that you do in your iCloud, that's, you know, text messages, pictures, yeah, uh, Siri requests, files, documents, Everything. Uh, everything. If you turn on ADP, which stands for Advanced Data Protection, it'll give you a bunch of warnings that I feel would probably scare some people away. Right. Uh, but it's definitely a good thing. And every device under your Apple ID needs to be running uh, 16.2 or Mac OS 13.1 or greater. Uh, and essentially what it does is it encrypts all of your iCloud uh, stuff that that I, that I just mentioned, but then it gives you the the keys to de- to uh, decrypt it, and then Apple doesn't have a copy of those keys essentially. Yeah. So all of the warnings you go through that say like, listen, if you forget your iCloud password, if you uh, need to restore a backup, Apple can't help you because they can't unlock your stuff. You know, this so, is awesome. So, um, so 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 keep your key in a safe place, and then they also let you, in in addition to a key, set one person as your backup recovery method. So you can use, you know, like your mother, your wife, you know, someone who you would trust with your life, essentially. Yeah. No, I mean, I love that they do that. Like, I think end to end encryption is obviously a huge deal. I think a lot of people don't really understand why. Um, you'd want to do that. And this is even more than end-to-end, sure, right? Sure, This yeah. is actually encrypting uh, the data uh, that is being saved in the cloud so they can't access it. And that's the that's the beauty of it, right? Uh, I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, if you have like a Google Drive or like um, maybe uh, what's Microsoft's? OneDrive. OneDrive, right? If you have one of these and you store data on there, 
it's not necessarily encrypted on their servers, right? Like, so they have like, access to everything. Exactly. Uh, whereas in this method, uh, anything that's uploaded to the Apple servers, they can't, they don't know what it is. Right. Um, it's just data. It's just, yeah, it's just encrypted data and they, they can't tell what it is. Um, and, and that's the beauty of it. Like they can't open it. They can't see it. And like, that's great. Cause that keeps your stuff truly private. It does. I think this is it a does. really weird, uh, timing for this. I, I must admit because we just got off the heels of the controversy where they wanted to scan all of your data. Oh yeah. CSAM um, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted to look at the CSAM. They want to scan for that, uh, you know, that illegal content. And then at the same time, it's like a, a little bit later, like months later, now we're having this true, uh, encryption. So it's like, uh, do you think they were working on these two things at the same time? And, uh, or do you think like the, the the way they're doing the encryption now might be as a result of the backlash that they received uh, with the CSAM? Or do you think they're really unrelated? I, well, I don't think you could have um, advanced data protection and CSAM. Right. I, I don't think you could scan for files and then have it encrypted. You know what I mean? It would so, kind of defeat the purpose, right? A little right, bit. If they could... Right read your data like maybe the idea was we're gonna scan we're we're gonna <laughs> maybe they were they had the foresight like they knew that they were gonna offer this feature but they still wanted a way to validate that you weren't putting that stuff on their servers right because like right now uh or, or sorry in the past when they didn't encrypt the data they could just scan what was on their servers and see everything right and but they knew fair, that's like, still probably true for 90 percent of the users if not more because i like I said, like it's if you're not a nerd, if you're not a tech person, and you right. read the prompts that say like Apple can't help you get your data back, I get picture being like, oh no, I need that. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, yeah, so I get so. it. But like, what I'm saying is like most people, Microsoft, Google, whatever, sure. like they can scan what's on their servers for CSAM and not have to worry about it, right? Like, but right. maybe right. Apple was like, okay, crap, we're gonna offer them this amazing pr- privacy feature. That really everybody should have. But in doing so, now we can't check what's in like the iCloud photos anymore on server. Right. So that's probably why, maybe that's why they were like, okay, we're going to have this weird on your hardware CSAM scanning, right? Mm-hmm. That maybe that, maybe that, maybe it was in conjunction with the feature they were about to present and add uh, to their customers. Um, maybe this was just to circumvent them from uploading that illegal content into a protected iCloud or, or whatever. What do you right. think? I It would line up. It would line up, but I don't know how they could do on-device scanning and then not have access to it to prove it either way. Well, so here's here's the thing. They would probably, you know, if you're scanning on-device, like it's not in your encrypted iCloud yet. Right. Um, so it's like pre, um, like they would, they would be able to, uh, run the scan on your hardware. Right. Um, where the, where the, the files are unlocked and, and available to be seen. Right. I guess my argument is that creates a really, really awkward situation because Mm. like when you do CSAM scanning the way Apple wanted to do it, right. They hit, I, I mean, like people have already proven there to be false positives with that. So 
how would they if you're if you're scanning something right and your backup is encrypted then are they going to say oh well we've detected something you have to unlock your phone and show it to us to prove your innocence like i think that that opens up a whole world of issues well we already knew that this was a gray area topic right because Mm -hmm. um i know that one of the popular uh, scenarios that I read about was somebody had sent pictures of their kid, like their private areas to their doctor. Right. Because there was like a rash or something. And then what had happened, I think it was Google that detected it. Um, And then they ended up uh, like suspending their Google accounts. Yeah. And the reason that's kind of scary is uh, there's really two ways to go about the CSAM thing. One of them is to use like a checksum based uh, scan where like, like see you if have, it appears in other places. Is that correct. How that would work? So like you would have a, a, a list of known checksums for uh, CP, right? So like for, a, and and one, what they would do is run it against yours. And if there's I ask no you a match, question on that, yeah. What if you had like an, an, an illicit image? Okay. And right. then you cropped it a little bit and then screenshotted it and deleted the original one. So in that case, it wouldn't be the same checksum, right? Right, right. So yeah. that's where Google's uh, had the advantage, really, because they, they're using like an AI-based computational mm-hmm. like thing where they can kind of see what's in your phone. Could you imagine filling that AI with knowledge, though, dude? Like how weird that must be? Yeah. But like, yeah, I know that's true. But like, yeah. like that's kind of how like your not safe for work filters and stuff right. work. Yeah, 100%. Right? They can yeah. detect, okay, boobies are here. Yeah. So uh, we're not going to show you that stuff. But like it's someone has funny. a job to like train boobs to AI. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> boobs, no boobs. Boobs, yeah. no boobs. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to train the AI uh, for that. It's kind of funny because there's like, um, it, it, there, you know how there's AI art and stuff. Yeah. Um, there's like uh, not safe for work. Uh, turn off not safe for work imagery. So like the a you can like, it's just funny that. The AI knows what's not safe for work. Also, yeah, it's you know wild I mean? to me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. But um, but yeah, I just I I just thought that was kind of a funny thing to bring up specifically for Apple to be bringing out this really great feature. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it's just kind of funny that it's coming, the timing. Uh, yeah, the timing. Yeah. So I think there was a little bit of uh something happening there between the two, but sure. it is what it is. So I'm really glad to have that, and I know personally, um. You know, I don't really use iCloud because I'm somebody that does the whole self-hosting thing. Um, but if I did use iCloud, like that would 100%, like I would turn that feature on. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I'd, I'd sit it and forget it and I would just be very happy. Um, so like I don't, I don't blame people that are iCloud customers that want to use it in that way. Um, I, I do use, I guess, iCloud a little bit if you talk about like syncing between devices, certain things. But I don't yeah. use it for like photos and stuff. Um you know, in that case, I just use like Nextcloud, which is my self-hosted cloud thing. So, um, but yeah, but that is really good. I'm glad to see Apple. No, I think it's a great feature. Everyone should turn it on. Yeah, I think that 100%. should be the takeaway that yeah. you should use it. Anyway, dude, I guess we could wrap this up. Uh, we've been talking for a good while. Um, have been. It's been, it's been, we have been. It's been a long um, time. I have a lot more I want to talk about, like the server stuff I've been doing. Oh yeah, we definitely got to go into that. Uh, but, but but that's just a teaser. Yeah, we can do a little, a little brief summary, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, go for so, it. So real quick, because I, I want to save it for next time, probably on the new year. Yeah. But uh, what I did was I had a server crash, and, uh, well, it was my fault. I kind of wiped one of my hard drives. 
and I built everything from scratch. New server, Linux. And I might have mentioned it before, but like I've been really doing a lot more with the self-hosting thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have so many cool servers that I've been spinning up. And like Nextcloud is one of them. It's like your Google Drive kind of, uh, it's your cloud storage alternative, but it has a lot of features sure. built in. Cool. Like uh, it, it does, it basically allows me to get rid of like the Synology Drive stuff. That you were I big on Synology use. Drive for a while. Yeah, but then the, it's good. Like Synology is great, right? Like if but you, you have were one, shown the way. But, um, yeah. but it's all, it's never the like best way. Right. Right. Synology was like, okay, it gives you a lot of features uh, built into the product. And I had the product. So I was using them and they were okay. Right. It was kind of like a semi self hosted because even though you're using like proprietary software, you're hosting it. So it was kind of like, it it was kind of like half of what you want. Because, like, the, the holy grail is you're using free and open source plus self hosting. Right. That's the holy grail. And that's really what I'm achieving now with this new server. You know, I got Nextcloud, which is an open source platform, and it's well supported, and it has a lot of really great features. In fact, I found that um, feature for feature, it's been better than the Synology Drive proprietary solutions. Well, there you go. It does everything better. Uh, It's got like a notes, uh, way to track notes, tasks. It's got a calendar. It's got all the things you'd want to have as a cloud. Um. And it's got, like, an amazing website. And there's all these, like, plugins you can install that add more features on top of it. So it's really cool like that. Like, it's also an email client. So I added, like, all my emails on it because um, I have a ton, right? Right. And then, like, now I have one website I can go to. And access everything. And access everything. You know, like, Beautiful. that's freaking yeah. cool. Right? That is really cool. Um, that's super so, cool. yeah, there's a lot of stuff. And I'm not going to get into it here, but I do want to get into it. Next time on Dragon oh, Ball Z. for sure. Yeah, you know definitely. Definitely. Anyway, so let's just wrap it up, dude. I'm going to hit the hit the button. Hit the button. Anyway, guys, that's been it. That's been the Technostatic Podcast. Really happy to have it. And uh, hopefully we can keep doing it I into know. the new year. Be nice. Uh, we'll see. We're going to try and do it on Thursdays, I guess, right? Thursdays seem like the best day, ideally. Thursday's the best day. So anyway, check us out on technostatic.com where you can see where you can look at our content. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on the podcast. Later. Later. Later.